What's up, maniacs? My name is Sky Menhart, and you're listening to Manic Fucking State of Mind, baby. Once again, I'm going to remind you that I do not edit these episodes. It's one take. So I'm, I actually do that disclaimer for myself and for the two people who listen to the show. Um, I'm at the point in my career, in my content, content creation career, that I'm only making content for myself and two people. Um, to other people and I'm not related to these people and I'm not, you know, in relationship. I don't even, well, one of them is a friend and then the other one I haven't spoken to in years, but I make it for them because I think they're fucking cool. So if you're one of my two listeners, my two subscribers, my two followers, my two supporters, this is for you, baby. And I fucking love you. I rock with you. I love the shit you do. I'm always going to support you. I'm always going to fuck with you because you keep it real. So anyway, it's been a rough week. I guess last week I was going to record, but I was so burnt out after the venereal disease day episode because I just, it just takes a lot of energy for me to interact with other people. (laughs) And I don't think I'm going to be having any more guests on the show for the foreseeable future because if you guys kind of followed me last year, you know that after I did an episode with a guest, I didn't do any more episodes for the rest of the year because I was so burnt out. And it's nothing against anybody. It's just, I don't, I can't, I get drained quickly, like a, like a watch battery, like a cheap, I get drained like my cheap iPhone six battery that doesn't fucking work. And if you guys want to, I think you should really check out my Instagram, amorphous blob of goo. That's kind of like my online name. So you can find me on TikTok as well. I'm not going to fucking link shit unless I feel like it, but I am on the internet, (laughs) obviously. Um, My followers on Instagram, unfortunately, I'm really trying to grow my followers because the people who follow me now are all kind of losers I went to high school with and they really don't like, you know, support my shit. Um, I get a lot of messages from people that are like, oh my God, girl, I love your stuff. Like you're so authentic. You're amazing. But nobody like shares it or um, subscribes to my show or um, buys anything, you know, like nobody, nobody actually wants to like do anything to, you know, help me succeed on, on the internet, which is cool. I don't give a shit, right? Like I said, I make this show for two people and you know who you are. Um, so I don't really care. It's just like, I would, if I could remove all of them from my following list, I would because they are useless, but people watch my shit and my engagement is really good. So, so much that I'm monetized on Instagram, even though I only have a little over a hundred followers. So, you know, I'm reaching like, oh, almost 3000 accounts every month, but I only have fucking like 180, not even 80, like 120 followers or some shit. So it's really like, I just get so angry at the people I know, unfortunately, and I really don't like any of them. And if you're, and and they don't listen to the show. So I really hate all of you. I hate all of you fucks for not supporting me because I do, I go out of my way for these losers. Like I go out of my way for these losers that unfortunately I have to deal with in real life and they do nothing for me but watch my shit like a fucking creep. So that's why on my Instagram, I've kind of created this collage of characters, this little cast of characters that um, I'm there. It's like a satirical example of people I hate in real life. They're obviously not real. They're fictional. Everything on the show is not real. And this is a work of fiction. And um, this is the entire show is a psychotic delusion that is all created in my own head. So whenever I mention these characters, because that's who they are, um, they're not real people. So you can't fucking sue me, D. 
Um, you can't fucking sue me, Heidi Poo Poo Pee Pee Pepez. You can't sue me, Cornley Courtney. Um, you can't sue me, Dennis Dumber Than a Dumbass Sadder Fucking FIFO. And you can't sue me, Danny Tiny Dick Diaz. Uh, you can't sue me, Joshua Wall Cocky. I would never want to see that penis. It's disgusting. By the way, that Joshua Wall Cuckoo Cuckoo in my fictional delusion. One time he was sending me nudes and his brother was also sending me nudes the same night. Fucking disgusting incestual shit. I bet in my in my fictional delusion, these two characters, Joshua Walcott, and I'm not even going to name the other one because I don't fucking know this dude. They are brothers and they fuck. Because if you're sending, if you're brothers and you're living in the same house and you're both sexting the same girl and you're taking pictures and, and it, it's just like, is there, there's gotta be a communication there somewhere. Josh Walcock, tiny little Walcock keto. There, there's gotta be a, there's gotta be some sort of conversation where they're like, Hey bro, like I just sent a dick pic to this bitch. Do you want to sit? And thank God I didn't see the penis. Do you guys understand when somebody looks like a naked mole rat fully clothed? <laughs> I, I, I would never, I mean, what would the penis look like? I can't even imagine the mis, mis, misshapen amalgamation that these, these dudes are working with. I can't, thank God they're psychotic delusions, right? Or else I wouldn't be able to roast their, their bodies like this because it's just fucking disturbing at this point. It makes me very uncomfortable to think about it. Because <laughs> in my delusion, you know, it's just, unfortunately, like, they were part of my delusion. So, um, yeah, so being psychotic is fun. I have a lot of fun in psychosis. It is actually a lot of the delusions I've had in my psychosis have come to life, several of which are happening right now. And I'm going to get into all of that. But today I actually have like stuff to talk about. <laughs> and I just want you guys to know, I, I don't know. Okay. Before I went into the hospital, like at the beginning of this year, I kind of had said, you know, I'm going to destroy the Adventist church. I'm going to go full Brittany. And then I went into the hospital and I got beat up by a bunch of nurses and security guards and thrown in a box and I was pregnant and I didn't get food and I lost 15 pounds, you know, just unnecessary trauma. Thank you, Advent Health. Love you, girl. Love you, Advent Health. Oh my God, Advent Health Fletcher. Oh, love you, babe. I mean, what are the Adventists going to do? They don't want to spend money on a lawyer. They're too fucking greedy. Too greedy, that church. How does it work with Seventh-day Adventism? Because they own all these hospitals and shit, right? Are they tax-free because they're owned by the church? I wonder. I don't even know how that shit works because I'm dumb and below the poverty level. But um, I am doing more than most of you do with full-time master's degrees. Okay? So fuck the fuck off. Um, anyway, the Adventist church. Yeah, speaking of. Uh, speaking of. I have a friend who lives near an Adventist hospital and they're being evicted from their home of 20 plus years from their family home of 20 plus years because uh, the Adventists need to expand and create office spaces where this person's home is. And so they're being evicted and their home is being demolished. Thank you, Ellen G. White. Thank you so much, Pastor Buzz. Thank you so much, Seventh-day Adventism, for doing what you do, which is um, exploiting people for money. Um, and yeah, that's pretty much it. <laughs> that's all y'all do. And I'm really against people getting exploited for money, <laughs> if you're unaware. And my dad, if you guys are like new listeners, my dad is like a pastor in that Seventh-day Adventist church. I don't fuck with him. I talk about it on other episodes. He was he's just, you know, shitty, generally. 
a lot of boomers are were horrible parents. They're pretty much the most selfish generation. If you grew up with boomer parents, or even, I think everybody's had shitty parents. Like, everybody who's, like, most people have horrible parents. I don't know what the fuck. But, like, you know, they're like, oh, this is what my parents would do. Because they forced me to go to Seventh-day Adventist schools. <laughs> they forced me to get Seventh-day Adventist education. And it costs money, right? So they, and you know, it's not like public school where you go for free. This is like, you're paying, I don't even know, it's $60,000 a year to go to Southern Adventist University in Chattanooga, Tennessee, or I guess it's in, where is it? Ottawa? I don't fucking know. Y'all fucking suck ass at Southern, baby. Never in my life have I, have I wanted to kill myself more than when I was on the Southern campus. Jesus fucking Christ. Anyway, my parents forced me to go to Adventist education my whole life, right? So they would always be like, from the time I was a kid, unfortunately, I went my whole way through school, unfortunately. Um, and they would always be like, we sacrifice our lives so you can go to school and be in love with Jesus. And I'm like, bitch, I've never met Jesus. Who the fuck is this man that we're sacrificing everything for? This is not in line. It's not in alignment with my values. Like, I don't fucking know this guy. And we're praying to him every night. And we're sacrificing our lives, our lives for him. And we're telling other people about him. We don't fucking know who this dude is. Who the hell is Jesus? I don't fucking know. And then they like, yeah. So like I went to all of these horrible schools. <laughs> and, and, you know... Seventh-day, you know, Seventh-day Adventism, it is a cult. It's a cult. If you're not a part of it, it's a cult, right? Everybody who I talk to, I'm like, dude, you know, a lot of people I went to school with, if I ever see them in real life and I don't fucking punch them in the throat, I look at them and I'm like, bro, that was a cult, right? Like, that was a fucking cult, right? Like, we were being indoctrinated into a cult, right? And they're like, uh, yeah, bitch, 1,000%. It was a cult. Because they kind of like indoctrinate you into these schools and they and they tell you that like um modesty is important you shouldn't be sexual your sexuality is horrible they're anti-lgbtq plus by the way they have a whole agenda where they want you to like not be gay anymore so you're allowed to be gay but you can't actually be like have you can't be a practicing gay so they have these seminars I, they're like anti-gay seminars and all of these quote unquote, formerly gay people come up. Okay. And they talk to the crowd about how, you know, I used to be gay and I used to live in Miami and I used to go to the pride parade and I would get fucked up the ass. And then I started doing cocaine and then I went to therapy and, and then I found God. And I realized that because I'd been molested by my uncle, that I was gay and it was a sin and it's evil and who I am is wrong and you should be ashamed of yourself. And now that I've found the Lord, I'm no longer gay. I'm like, okay, bro, you cut hair for a living. You're wearing a pink suit and like, like you're, you're gay and it's okay. It just honestly... They would do these seminars, and if you're fucking Adventist and you're my age, I know you've been to this shit at some sort of GYC, general youth conference. They would have this shit. This was happening when I was, like, all, like, probably from, like, 13, like, ages of 13. How old was I? Like, 2011? Like, I don't know. Like, that's when I started getting exposed to it, and they come to these campuses. Like, that fucking guy that I just talked about, I've seen that man 17 times in my goddamn life because he would come to every fucking school I've ever been to and be like, guys, who you are sucks, and if you're gay, Jesus doesn't love you. And it's really honestly soul-crushing to see people 
who who deny them they they deny themselves the right the basic right of being who they are for Jesus and when you really analyze their stories and they're multiple people you know it was like there was this one bitch who she was like yeah I was lesbian and I was listening to rock and roll and I had an eyebrow piercing and I was I had tattoos and 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 I wore and I and my hair was red and I was doing drugs and I was so sad and then somebody gave me a steps to Christ and now I wear long skirts and I don't eat meat and I eat all I eat is wheat thins out of the box and that and the, just the plain ones and I remove the salt and I just and I and I wear glasses and I have natural curly brown mouse brown hair and my skin is unhealthily sallow because I'm vegan you know it's really sad to see it's really fucking sad to see and that was a horrible horrible thing for not only myself but many people I know um because in case you missed it uh homosexuality transness um being lesbian being gay any fucking spectrum spectrum of the rainbow this has been a part of humanity since the dawn of time so instead of trying to deny people the right to just be who they are and like why the fuck are you promoting this harmful agenda do you understand i've i'm bisexual and i've been i mean listen i think i'm lesbian i mean you know I, sexuality is a spectrum right that's the beauty of it. You can literally be whoever you want. You don't need to put yourself in a box. You don't need to fucking label yourself. I get tired of the labels. I love the LGBTQ community. I'm bi. I'm a part of it a thousand percent. And and I support them a thousand percent. When I complain about woke, woke culture and the pronoun shit, I don't want you guys to think I am hating in any way. I am just trying to like shed light on the stupidity of iPad children, okay? Um, especially right now because there are laws being made that are banning drag shows, which is so stupid, and they are trying actively, actively trying to take away the rights of not only women, not only black people, but people of, and minorities in general, which doesn't fucking make sense, but people of the LGBTQ plus community. There are, like, these are laws that are being made, which is so stupid. And guess what? They are influenced completely by religious, harmful religious ideology. We do not need to bring religion into politics, guys. Did we learn nothing from any piece of history? Hello? Have we not looked at what happened in Europe with Catholicism? Like, for, like, I'm sorry, not currently, but like the history of Europe? Like, what happens when we mix religion and politics? Nothing fucking good. People people lose their minds. They lose control. You should never have a problem with people having basic human rights, okay? That's the truth. Human rights should not be a political issue. People should not be having to vote. Ooh, like, you should not be coming to the voting booth and thinking, like, fuck. Okay, who do I vote for that's going to protect my rights? I mean, and I'm being honest. Like, that's just bullshit that we're going through this in the United States, okay? Bullshit garbage, and I'm not here for it. This is not in... Drag shows are not an issue that is a problem in any fucking way. You know what is a problem? School shootings, Nazis, um, police brutality, um... People, like, poverty. Hello? Are you fucking kidding me? Y'all want to ban drag shows? Fuck you. We want to have fun. Fuck off, bitch. 
nobody has any money in this country. I mean, unless you're rich, right? Which none, I can't relate. I'm super poor. So I'm worried about surviving. I'm worried about getting money for groceries. I'm worried about having health insurance for my kid that's on the way because I'm 31 weeks pregnant. I'm worried about women having access to health care. I'm worried about people having access to health care so they can get their mental health medications and the treatments they need to survive. I don't fucking care about a drag show. I can't even afford to go to one at this point. So it would be a pleasure for me to have enough money to attend a drag brunch. Are you fucking kidding me? That sounds like the best day of my life. So please fuck off, you fucking Republicans. And I don't care. Like I said, I'm not Democrat or Republican, but we we can kind of look and say that Republicans want to take away people's rights. I mean, come on, read the fucking news, dumb ass. This is not cool. That's why I have a problem with Seventh-day Adventism, because they are actively pushing that agenda, and it is a political thing. It is. And I know there are some of you who will say, oh, well, it's regional. You know, out in California, you can be out and proud in the Adventist church. And I agree, but I just don't think you should, like, I can't, me personally, and I, I, I don't fuck with religion. I'm a fucking witch. I'm a pagan. Ooh, I don't fuck with it. However... If you're sitting and going to Adventist schools and supporting Seventh-day Adventism, then you're actively supporting um, anti-LGBTQ+. And if you went to Southern Adventist University, which I know none of you guys did because nobody from fucking Southern listens to my show because I hate them all and I hope they rot in hell. But um, if you went to Southern, you know they have a real anti-LGBTQ. They actually came out and stood against Black Lives Matter. (laughs) They stood against pro-choice uh-huh whenever the you know when women lost as- access to abortion federally oh they were all over it you know like this is what the lord wants jesus wants you to keep your rape baby jesus wants you to 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 get off your life-saving medication so you can have a child that will not have health insurance or a safe education you know what i'm saying it's fucking hypocritical and i don't agree with it And I get really fed up when people try to defend this shit. And it's really stupid. I'm going to give you guys an example of how ironic this shit is. So my mom, she's been Adventist her whole life, right? I mean, she is, my mom is a really cool person. She's super creative and she actually went to art school in DC. I don't know which one, but it was the one close to the White House. And she got into art school, which is amazing. She's incredibly gifted. She's a really, like, she plays the piano. She can paint. She can draw. She's a great writer. I mean, you name it. (laughs) And then she found herself starting to question Seventh-day Adventism and question Jesus and get into atheism. And she got really scared and she decided to get out of art school, go go away from D.C. and work for the Seventh-day Adventist Church. And she's been doing that ever since. And she went to Southern Adventist University And it's just been, it's really disappointing because she doesn't do anything creative now. She hasn't done anything. I mean, she does creative shit, but she's worked her whole life for Seventh-day Adventism and wasted it all and then ruined her family. And my my dad did this too. I'm speaking about my mom and I'm not, I'm never going to bash my mother ever because I love her and she's, she's definitely like aware and I've forgiven her for mistreating me. But she worked her ass off so that my brothers and I could afford to go to Adventist education. And we're not even, I'm not even fucking Adventist. I'm a witch. And like my, my, you know, I don't, I'm not going to mention my brothers, but it's just fucking strange. And so when I talk to my mom, (laughs) when I talk to her about this stuff, she's like, I'm like, 
I'm just like, yeah, like, it's just so stupid. Like, women should have the right to choose. And she's like, yeah, women should have the right to choose. And then I'm like, well, it's just fucked up. They're taking away gay people's rights. And she's like, gay people should be allowed to have rights. Everybody deserves rights. They shouldn't be a political issue. Nah, that's dumb. And people think it's just really upsetting because it's like, you agree with everything I'm saying. So why are you still Seventh-day Adventist? Why are you still supporting this church that is actively taking away people's rights and actively behind the movement to take away people's rights. That is what I don't understand. So when I talk to her in real life, it's like, you agree, like we're on the same fucking page. She agrees with me about all this shit. She's, she's supportive of gay people. She thinks they should be who they are. She thinks women should have access to, you know, uh, abortion. And she thinks people should have the right to choose. She thinks, of course, black lives matter. Of course, police brutality should be over. Of course, there should be reform within the healthcare system, within, within the police system or the criminal justice. Meh. So it's like really, it's really interesting how it's just, I'm just using that as an example of how, how distorted people's views become when they subscribe to Seventh-day Adventism. It's really nuts. And I, I, like I said, guys, I was going to talk about all this before I had major trauma and had a horrible manic episode and, um, you know, broke down. And really, it was the most, it's like the, the great thing about mania and psychosis is, and I wasn't psychotic this time, which fucking ruled, dude. It was very fun. Pure mania on its own, it's basically just like doing line after line of cocaine and having pretty much a good time. Not sleeping, but having a great time and getting a lot done. So anyway, I, you know, I went through all that trauma and now, and it was in an Adventist hospital. Shout out to Advent Health, girly. There's nothing I can do about getting beat up by security guards and nurses because the laws in this country protect the healthcare system. And if, in case you, you know, I don't know, uh, psych wards and mental health, they don't want mentally ill people to have rights either. By the way, I know, guys, if you have cancer, you are a hero, you're iconic. But if you have mental illness, it's like, die. And it's very interesting. There are definitely parallels within like the prison industrial complex and the mental health care. If, I don't even know if that's the right fucking word. I'm super uneducated. But you know how the prison system works, you know, they get the criminals and it's a lot of times, unfortunately, African-Americans, right, that are pegged for these crimes and then they're made to go to jail for stupid shit like weed and, you know, possessing marijuana, all this garbage. And then they're, they, they keep them in jail so that they can't have freedom and have rights, right? And please, you know, come for me if you think that's wrong. It's not. So it's kind of similar with mental health, right? Um, if you go seek treatment, you are traumatized you are forced to do things you don't want to do you are physically restrained you are physically abused you are not given access to food you don't have water you don't have uh, fresh air it's like being in prison really it is it's like being in jail except for they want to get you out so they can make more money on that insurance baby so they can get those beds filled up because the country runs on capitalism and Capitalism is just like, fuck everything. Uh, we do anything to make money, to get a profit. So in the United States, corporations run healthcare, which is fucking rock. That rocks, right? Because all they want to do is make money. So that means that there are laws in place to specifically mistreat individuals for profit, right? And that goes through anything. Even if you're not mentally ill, even if you just need to like get care, whether no matter who you are, I swear, no matter who you are, whether you're a white male, woman, whatever, 
um, you know, you get mistreated in the healthcare system because it's all about making money. And then if you complain, they're like, oh, well, this is just the system. And nobody fucking cares, right? And I'm not speaking ill of healthcare workers because it's not the workers that are the issue. It's the corporations that own and run the hospitals that create these laws um, that, that exploit people who are sick and sick people in every way that's cancer that's that's physical illness that's mental illness that's disabilities regardless the whole system of the united states is like basically set up to oppress you so the rich people so the one percent which is you know rich white people um and and i mean there are rich other people too just like fuck off um it's all just made so they can make money. So the only people who really in America, and this is how the country was built, by the way. So it's all about just let's keep the white man, let's give him the rich white man, by the way. By the way. We can talk about privilege later, baby. But the rich white man is the only one who deserves rights. Which is why, and now it's like everybody's surprised that there's, oh my God, why are there Nazis? And why is white supremacy a thing? Because that's how the country is built. It's just built and then the constitution and everything is written around uh, white, uh, w rich white men having all the rights. And nobody else gets to. Nobody else gets to have money. Um, nobody else gets to have health care. Nobody else gets to have rights. Nobody else gets to be who they are. Nobody else gets to have bodily autonomy except for the rich white guy. And I'm not lying. You can read a book. So it's really upsetting. <laughs> but I think what happened, which is really positive, I'm super happy that the pandemic happened because everybody became aware of all this shit. And we started to kind of look at it and be like, what the hell? This sucks. And now everybody's aware that it's all a joke. So I used to be really worried about the future. Whenever women lost the right to abortion, I was very scared. I went in my car and I listened to Frank Ocean and I just wept for a while. And I was like, fuck. And because I'm pregnant, I literally got pregnant like a couple weeks after that or before that happened. And it was really, no, it was, we it was like a couple months before, no, a couple months after that the bill got passed or leaked or whatever the fuck. And... I was already in a vulnerable place and I don't really want, I'm not going to get into like my pregnancy, but obviously I'm pro-choice and I was like, I'm really poor. So, and I'm mentally ill. I need to take medication to survive. And practically the reason I, one of the reasons I consider, um, euthanasia for myself, one of the reasons I deeply considered it is because I'm very poor. And if I can't afford, listen, if I can't afford my medication, I will end up getting killed probably I'm not kidding I'm not kidding guys people who have psychosis are actually more likely to be the danger like the victims of violence rather than the perpetrators so and for I'll give you an example you know like when I was psychotic or I wasn't even psychotic I was just manic in the mental health facility I trashed my room and that's why they beat me up so it's like if I'm exhibiting signs of mania if I can't take my meds I will become manic and I will exhibit these signs and I will be mistreated by whoever is there you know and it's also and I don't want to get into that I've sp I've spoken about that in previous episodes please go back and listen because I really can't I'm not able to talk about that right now emotionally but so it's like if I don't take my meds I will die if I can't afford health care which I'm going to run out you know when I turn 26 and I'm married so hopefully we can get health care but 
you know, if I can't get health care, I can't take my meds, I can't live. And if I and if I do have health care and I do have my meds, but I can't afford food, I can't take my meds. I can't take my medicine on an empty stomach or else it doesn't work. I need to have a, a few calories, enough calories so I can take my medication so I can sleep. And this is just dead ass. This is why I don't fuck with rich people. Because, like, this is the shit I have to consider on a daily basis. Like, if I can't eat, I can't take my meds. If I can't take my meds, I can't sleep. If I can't sleep, I become psychotic. If I become psychotic, I die. And that's the reality of most people living in the United States who are poor that don't have health care, that don't have access to medication. Because we're all mentally ill, dumbass. So... I really, that's like practically for my life at that time, especially last summer, because I was in a really dark place anyway. I was super depressed. My life had kind of, I had kind of like ruined my life by stupid choices. And so I was really, and I was just really sad and I was feeling really suicidal and I really considered it. And it was, and I got pregnant right around that time. And I was like, fuck, I don't know what to do. You know, I can't get an abortion. I didn't even have enough money for plan B. And I know you guys are probably like, oh, well, you had money for condoms. But I'm in love with someone. <laughs> and this person who I'm with is extreme. They're my best friend, you know. I love them no matter what. And it's not, I'm not going around letting random gross men, you know, come inside my pussy like that. I don't do that. But I'm with somebody who really cares about me. And I'm sorry, but that's what happens when mommy and daddy love you, you know, fuck that. But anyway, I don't need to like get into the, the specifics because when you're a woman, pregnancy happens and there are so many reasons it can happen. There are so many reasons you d you're not using protection. And actually, I'm recording this episode on International Women's Day. So I really want to emphasize every every episode I do is a woman empowerment episode but I really want to emphasize that there are so many things that happen in your life as a woman that would, you know, I don't even know. I just don't judge people for their choices. I'm pro-choice and I am, I'm really trying to destigmatize people who make, you know, quote unquote poor decisions. Because when you look at somebody and you see a choice they made and you think, oh, I wouldn't have done that. You really don't know all of the nuanced things that have led them to make that decision. You don't really know what they are going through emotionally, what they're going through personally. You don't know what they've been through in their childhood. You don't know what's influence, influencing their behavior. You don't know what disorders they may, might have that are influencing the way they are. You don't know what beliefs they might have, you know, what internalized beliefs they have about themselves or the world around them. So I really don't judge people for their decisions because you know, everybody has a crazy fucked up life. And there's so many reasons why somebody wouldn't wear protection, not even to mention getting raped, not even to mention the case of rape, right? So I'm making this episode, I guess, just to spread awareness for the reasons why people do things and the reasons why unwanted pregnancies happen. And the reasons why young women, specifically young women, go through these unwanted pregnancies and why they, you know, why they do the things that they do. I really hate when women are judged. And people judge women very harshly. People are very critical of women. Young women, it doesn't matter what age you are. If you're a girl, people are very critical and hateful towards you. It's just kind of automatically how it is. Because girls have to grow up really fast. They are not given the same 
leniency as guys, you know, oh, boys will be boys. I mean, people make excuses for 30-year-old men that they wouldn't make for a 13-year-old girl. And the way I see women criticized in the media, especially my whole life, now it is getting better, I will say that, but my whole life, it's always, you know, who wore it better? Oh, Kim Kardashian gained 17,000 pounds while pregnant. She looks like a whale. You know, Britney Spears is too skinny. Mary-Kate Ashley looks like she's melting away. It's like women are criticized no matter what decision they make. If you are a working mom, you're working too much. If you're a stay-at-home mom, you're not doing enough. If you decide you don't want to have kids, you're selfish. I mean, have you guys seen the conversations that Chelsea Handler has to have with these idiot men who are like, why haven't you decided to have children? Like, fuck off, dumbass. If you don't have kids, you're fucked. But then if you do have kids, oh, you're not valuable anymore. You're a mom. Fuck off. And women basically lose their sexuality. Like, women aren't seen as sexy past the age of, I don't even know, 18, which is retarded. And so it's like, you expire. Oh, you're aging? Mm, irrelevant. You know what I'm saying? It's just pretty fucked up, the world we've lived in. And I am pregnant with a girl, so I'm going to do everything I can to make the world a better place her whole life, but especially before she gets here, which is in eight weeks. Fuck my life. I've got a lot of shit to do. But after getting on the internet this summer, because I did get on Reddit, and I'm not sharing my Reddit info because that's my one little place where I can just fuck shit up and just be anonymous, and it's so much fun. But particularly, the subreddits that I've been really active on are the Hilaria Baldwin subreddit and the uh, Kardashian Snark subreddit. And if you follow me on Instagram, you know that for years I've been dragging the Kardashians through the mud. I mean, since 20, forever, forever, the whole time I've had this account. So when I got on the snark subreddit of the Keeping Up with the Kardashians, I really fell in love because it was a group of people who felt the exact same way I had felt for so long. And I feel like the media with the Kardashians in particular tries to like gaslight you because Kris Jenner is in control and she like buys all of these you know, articles for her daughters, like, Kim looks hot in a bikini after Pete dumps her in Australia, you know, like, Kimberly's ass is 17 times bigger than it was yesterday. What's up with that? She's so sexy. You know, I get really tired of that shit. And I've always seen through the bullshit. So I, I've always called them out. I mean, I was a fan, of course, who wasn't, bitch. I'm the same age as Kylie. But just with their plastic surgery lies and all this shit, I get really fuck fucking upset when I see people I know who are like, but Kim is so pretty. Like, Kim is so pretty. And I'm like, okay. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I can't think of like Elizabeth Bathory, like the serial killer. She was really pretty. But does that mean we should like put her on an icon level because she's pretty? Like, is that what makes you iconic? It's just really upsetting. And I'll have, I'll be, I've been, I was, I've been around people, women who, and I'm not criticizing women right now. I'm criticizing people who have shallow values, but I've been around women who will get in arguments with each other over like which girl on Instagram is prettier. And they'll be like, oh my God, but she's such a basic bitch. Like she looks like so basic. Everybody looks like her. Well, she's super pretty. There's like, no, shut up girl. And they're getting mad at each other. Because they have a different idea of what some of what beautiful is. And I'm sitting in the backseat of the car wanting to bang my head, bash my head to bits with a brick. Because I'm like, this is what you guys are 
concerned with like Jesus I want to kill myself and it made me really miss my friends that I can connect with on an intellectual level because I was like oh my god if I had a brick right now it would be over I would I would have bet like this is nuts and I know not obviously no most women aren't like that obviously that's just the shallow few that I don't fuck with anymore but it's just like you know, that's kind of been the value for so long in society. Like, oh, you have to be hot and be pretty. And, and the Kardashians have really perpetuated this, like, do nothing and become iconic type deal. And it's really upsetting. So I talk a lot about that on my Instagram. I, like, expose their stupid Photoshop fails. I just have a lot of fun dragging them and kind of, like, spreading awareness, which people already know, right? I'm not the only fucking creator doing that shit now. And I think being on Reddit kind of helped me find my niche on the internet so that I just stopped giving a fuck about, like, what people thought of me, which I never have. But on the internet, like, it's really nice to find your niche because then you can start creating content for those people and then you attract the audience that you want that's actually going to support your shit. Unlike all the fake, stupid idiots that follow me on Instagram that don't fucking... You just watch, like, what are you doing? masturbating to my fucking roast of you on my <laughs> I know you're watching David David Palacios I'll say your fucking name fish lips El Chaco Taco what the hell are you gonna do what are you gonna do huh such an idiot it was really funny because with David I used to date him um and I'm gonna fully talk about it because I don't what is he gonna do really you're from fucking Boston and you have no balls I think you live with your uncle in his basement fuck off so and I'm not saying people, I'm saying like, you're from Boston, you should have a little more balls than the, than like what you have. We dated when I was 18, 17 and just like horrible, toxic relationship. I don't need to drag him for being a teenager, but he's really become, you know, just shittier. And so whenever I first got back with my husband, it was so crazy. I was working, I worked at a coffee shop in my old town in Virginia and he came into the coffee shop and I was like, oh my, what the fuck? I literally had a panic attack because he triggers me so much because I hadn't seen, I literally haven't seen him since like 2016. He broke up with me because uh, I was having mental health issues and I had cheated on him a couple times because I wanted him to dump me then because I went to college and I was kind of like getting my, you know, pussy eaten for the first time and I was like, I didn't suck dick, but you know, I was, I just was really into like baseball players. Like I was having a lot of fun. I would go on Tinder. I went on Tinder. This is when I cheated on David. I went on Tinder and um, there was this really hot like Puerto Rican baseball guy. And I was like, oh my God. And he like came to get me at my school and we drove and we fucked in the car. And then he got me Waffle House and then not Waffle House. He got me IHOP, which I thought I was like, fuck. no, I think I paid for it. But you know, I ate a steak afterwards. I felt like a bad bitch. Like I got fucked. Um, and that was the first time I accidentally did anal. It was, it was really painful and I couldn't walk. And so I got back to the dorm and I was like, oh my God, I guess I should tell David. And then I told him and he still didn't break up with me. And I guess, yeah, I know I could have broken up with him. I know. But I was like, assuming if I cheat on you, and tell you about it and tell you about how I can't even walk now that I've cheated on you and then cheat on you again with other people at the school that you're not at. Like, I thought maybe you would have some self-respect and be like, okay, no, but he stayed with me. 
kept me toxic and I'm no I was fully toxic on my own but we kept this toxic vibe going because he's a cuck and he wanted he didn't want to he likes to be humiliated so and I kept I kept it up like I don't fuck like David I don't care about you I never did oh so anyway so that's kind of like the story of David right and so then we, we kept talking and it was like miserable. It was just torture. It was just one of those. If you watch Vanderpump Rules, it was definitely a Tom and Kristen situation. And we were both Tom and we were both Kristen, right? So then I finally, he finally dumped me, which I like, he just blocked me and I was like, thank God, you know, and I don't even need to get into that. But then I didn't talk. It was like 2016. He blocked me and then I didn't speak to him until you know, until I lost a bunch of weight, got really hot, started working at a coffee shop, made a lot of money, made a podcast, did my Instagram. And then he wants to show up at my job and be like, Hey, can I have a, what did he get? Some, it was just so, ew, ew, ugh. Okay. If I have to describe him physically, he's like the same height as Pete Davidson, right? Which you're probably like, wow, that's hot. No. He's got, like, the lips of Nick Kroll if Kylie Jenner got a hold of him and, like, injected the shit out of him. And that's about, that's it. Like, that's all you kind of see when you look. It's just like, whoa, you look like, you literally look like Kylie, which, I mean, good for you, man. You can, maybe you can do something on OnlyFans. He's, he looks like Tyga's face with Kylie's lips, but, like, even bigger. And then he's got, like, Pete Davidson's shrimp body and then he's got, you know, Pete Davidson has a nice jawline, right? That's why we like him. He's got a good face. He looks good on camera. We can look at him and, you know, be like, damn, that's a cute man. I'm not even into him like that, but it's like Pete's hot and he's confident. So imagine if Pete Davidson had Tyga's face, Kylie Jenner's lips, the scraggly beard of a prepubescent 13-year-old, and um, yeah, that's about it. That's it. And the confidence of a mushroom person that has lived underground their entire life and likes to be a cuck. That's the vibe. So anyway, he came to see me at the coffee shop and I was like, ew, this is horrible. And it was so fun because ironically that day after I got off work, I was going to see my husband, <laughs> my husband who I married, um, Kendall Miller. So I went, so I was, it was just disgusting that I had to see him. And then he was like DMing me like, hey, I want to see you alone. And I'm like, ew, are you going to rape me, bro? And he was sending him in vanish mode, right? Because he's a pussy. But of course, I told my husband because we are married and I fuck him and I like him and he has a good personality and he's hotter and better than you. And my husband, by the way, he can build docks. My husband is a construction worker. And I know you guys are like, oh, but blue collar workers are, fu I can't, I can't. Are you kidding me? Pete Davidson doesn't know how to build a dock. Pete Davidson doesn't know how to change oil in a car. Pete Davidson doesn't know how to use a hammer. And I'm just using Pete as an example because people like want to, you know, jack off to Pete. But David, I mean, I don't even know what you do. Like, I literally don't know what you do, El Choco Taco. Like, I don't, you don't make anything online. Um, I don't hear, like when I see, I don't see your parent. I don't know. Like, I don't speak to anybody that you know, I never hear anything about you. So when you come to me and you look even worse than you did when we got together, like, how do you age and get uglier? I don't know. But it was just really ironic to me that you think I'm going to risk my <laughs> sexy relationship with incredible sex, the hottest man I've ever seen, man of my dreams. You think I'm going to, to risk 
you know, <laughs> being married to a sexy man who knows how to build docks, who can carry like 10 foot beams, you know, you think I want to risk it all for you, Tyga? You know who else he looks like? Who is that guy? Oh my God. It's Earl. You know, okay. So you know, Tyler, the creator. Oh yeah. David loved Tyler, the creator. He was obsessed with, um, our future Wolfgang killed them all. Like he, I mean, whatever, like good for you. I don't know much about it, but there was this guy. I'm trying to look him up on my phone right now. Um, because this is what David really looks like. Uh, 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 uh. I'm looking it up one second. Earl sweatshirt. I'm going to save this picture. He looks like Earl sweatshirt. That's exactly, exactly who he looks like. Earl sweatshirt, except for Earl sweatshirt from odd future has done, you know, far more than shrimp David will ever do in his life. And odd future actually has, you know, he's invested in his talents, you know, he's got clothing, he's got stuff going on. You know, I think he's on Instagram, but David, you, I think you, you used to talk about like being like, oh yeah, I'm going to be a photographer. Um, I just like your pictures. I mean, they, your pictures do suck at the same time though. It's like where you haven't done anything with that, you know? And at least Earl sweatshirt, I mean, he's on Instagram. His pictures are cooler than yours. And, and he, and he's got cool dreads now, you know, he's successful. So what happened to you? Uh, you got the face of Earl Sweatshirt, the body of Pete Davidson, the lips of fucking Kylie Jenner, and you're still a loser. <laughs> and if you guys think I care, if you guys think I care about what other people think of me, if you guys think I'm going to ever try to make anybody else feel comfortable, you're stupid. And you really should follow my Instagram because I love, I do, I still roast people. They're just like fictional characters in my psychotic delusion. But I'm going to continue to roast David because he likes it. He's probably beating off to this. He probably clipped that audio, you know, once this goes up, he probably clipped that audio and just like beats off to the humiliation. So I don't really care because he's still making me money. <laughs> anyway. That's my little David rant. And I don't really, let me just get back to my notes because I kind of went off on a tangent there, but I really, that's something that I've needed to say publicly on a public forum. I roasted a lot of people when I was manic, but it all got deleted and I just don't feel like giving losers a platform anymore. So anyway, so I was talking about Adventism and I don't really feel like going into that anymore right now in this episode because it's it's so draining for me I don't like thinking about it but I do want to talk about maladaptive daydreaming oh my god I did a previous episode about this and if you guys know me you know I'm spiritual like I said I'm a witch I'm Wiccan I mean I'm I'm not Wiccan I'm not like religious because Wicca is a religion but I'm definitely I believe in everything that Wiccans believe in if that makes sense and I do practice witchcraft I do a lot of manifestation. I do some tarot. I'm deeply into astrology. I love my crystals. I love my incense. That's kind of my vibe. And I used to be really, I don't know, witchcraft has been a really fun journey for me. It's been like four years that I've been 
that I've been into it and I've been practicing and it has really improved my life. That's the reason I'm super successful because of my witchcraft. And the reason I'm mentioning that is because I wanted to kind of speak a little bit about maladaptive daydreaming and how I actually think you can use it to be productive. So maladaptive, maladaptive daydreaming is a behavior where a person spends an excessive amount of time daydreaming, often becoming immersed in their imagination. This behavior is usually a coping mechanism in people who have mental health conditions like anxiety, and it's tied to ADHD, OCD. All of these disorders can really cause you to ruminate. Um, so whenever I started hearing about this, I kind of thought this is bullshit. Like this is fucking, this is stupid. They want us not to daydream. So you're saying that me daydreaming because my life sucks is a disorder. Fuck off. What I wanted to say, the reason I wanted to mention this is because my whole life has improved because I invested in maladaptive daydreaming. I think a lot of us when we're struggling and a lot of us are, a lot of us are struggling with poverty, with mental health, I mean, with so many things. And whenever we can get into our head and kind of create these worlds that help us feel better, it can actually be a really positive coping skill. And I want to mention this movie that I saw because I've never felt more connected to a movie. If I had to explain my neuroses in one movie, it would be The King of Comedy with Robert De Niro. And I'm going to pull up the little explanation of the movie because I don't really, I did save it because I wanted to talk about it and I don't want this to go unnoticed. Okay, so Rupert Pupkin, Robert De Niro, is a failure in life, but a celebrity in his own mind, hosting an imaginary talk show in his mother's basement. When he meets an actual talk, talk show host, Jerry Langford, He's convinced it will break, it will provide his big break, but Lankford isn't interested in the would-be comedian. Undaunted, Pupkin effectively stalks Langford, and when that doesn't work, he kidnaps him, offering his release in exchange for a guest spot on Langford's show. And basically, he gets on the show after kidnapping the talk show host, and he performs stand-up, and it is an incredibly beautiful performance by Robert De Niro and this this I saw this when I was manic and I wept the entire performance I wept it is incredible this movie is incredible I wish I could put a clip of this up but I'm just not I'm not able to do that right now with my setup but when you guys when when I talk about wanting to do stand-up comedy this is what I mean and just like every night when I was manic a couple years ago, every night for months and months, I mean, probably a year, I would be doing an entire stand-up comedy routine in my head. And you could consider this maladaptive daydreaming. I guess it would definitely fall under the category because every night I would lay down and I would just do stand-up in my brain and I would picture myself on a stage and I would, you know, I had all of these jokes and I've actually written most of them down. So now they're in my phone, but that's, an example, in my opinion, of maladaptive daydreaming. And when I saw this movie, I had never felt so connected to a character or a scenario in my life because I have been doing that my whole life. When I was a kid, and I mean little, six years old, 
I would lay in my bed at night every night and I would do a radio show before I went to sleep, except for I did it out loud as a kid. So I would leave my door open because I was scared of the boogeyman and I, and I liked, I would leave the bathroom light on, you know, across from my room and I'd leave the door open and I would do my stand up or not my stand up. I would do my radio show, Skylar's radio. And I had a theme song and I would do characters and I would do that until I fell asleep. It would always be my nightly routine. And actually, if you talk to my cousin, I have a cousin, Bailey. She, I think she listens. Hey, Bay. But I would call her on Sunday and we would have a radio show. I don't know if she remembers this, but we would have a radio show. I don't know. I think it was Skylar and Bailey's radio, something like that. And maybe it was just me. I don't know. But we would do a radio show together or I would do one, you know, on the phone with my cousin and we would play Polly Pockets on the phone. She lived in Michigan. I was in North Carolina. We would get out our Polly Pockets and we would play on the phone together like that's and I love my Bay. I love Bailey to death. I love my family. So I've been doing this my whole life. And the reason I want to talk about this is because for me, performing has always been a coping mechanism. It is not something I do because I wanted, I mean, obviously I want attention, dumbass, but I'm doing it for me because it makes me feel better because this is how I take control over my situation by turning it into something funny, by making myself laugh, by putting myself out there, by exploiting myself, making a fool of myself so that other people can just give me a reaction. And I think the reason I do this is because I feel so much pain, so much pain. I carry so much pain. And I'm not saying this so you can like, fuck off. If you want to, if you feel bad for me, buy me something off my baby registry. It's on my Instagram, bitch. What I'm saying is, I have so much pain in my life and I've had so many painful experiences and the only way I can get it out is if I talk about it and if I perform it, if I sing, if I dance, I have to get that energy out of me or else I will lose my mind. If you ever went to school with me, you know I used to sing and I would play bells and I played the clarinet and I just, I would sing a lot. I was a big singer. I don't sing at all anymore, but I used to sing. I used to, I kind of taught myself how to play the piano very poorly. But I've always loved to perform because it is how I express myself. And growing up in a household where expressing my feelings would get me hit, literally, like express a feeling and we'll beat you, bitch. You know, I've been getting beat up my whole life by people who supposedly are my caretakers. So I came to a place where I knew, you know, after a while you learn expressing yourself at home is not safe. So you need to find a way to do it so you don't lose your shit. And I learned that very early on as a kid. So performing was my only outlet to have to, you know, feel my feelings and express them. Because if I was doing it at home, if I was crying or if I was having poor behavior, I would get hit and punished and beat and whatever. So performing is my coping mechanism. And the reason I fucking cried at that movie is because that is the story of the character when he does his stand-up routine, he talks about his abusive, his alcoholic mother, his abusive father, and it is literally the epitome of a comedian. And, and I, by the way, guys, anyway, I'm going to continue with this before I get into my comedy spiel, but it's the epitome of like stand-up comedy, that movie. And because he is giving out his pain and people are laughing and... He's having fun. You can tell like this is all he's ever wanted just to perform just so people can hear his story. And this whole delusion of his life was leading up to this one performance. 
and he risked everything just to get just to have that moment of expression just to get those feelings and that pain off of his chest and comedy i'm getting chills talking about this comedy telling jokes and particularly stand-up comedy is the epitome of being a clown because you have pain, you're sad, you talk about the worst things that have happened to you and you do it in a way that brings people joy. Do you understand how transformative that is, how powerful that is? You are taking away the pain, you're taking away the shame, you're removing the shame from the equation because you're getting up and you're making a fool of yourself. You're risking looking like a fool you're risking people talking shit about you. You're risking failing, but you don't fucking care because you know I can make somebody laugh. And if I make one person laugh at my horrible trauma, then I know it was worth it because I took the pain and I transmuted it into joy. That's why I want to be a comedian. And that's why I wish I could do stand-up because to me that's the ultimate ultimate transmutation of uh, pain to power, right? Because when you take away the shame, your traumatic experiences no longer have power on you. And when you make fun of them and you roast them and you make people laugh, you're transmuting that energy. And so, and I, by the way, if you want to, you know, I don't, I don't need to prove I'm funny. I don't need to sit here and say, you know, I'm funny because truly hilarious people don't have to remind you that they're funny, right? You know, we all know those bitches who'll tell a joke and then they're like, I'm funny. <laughs> and I'm like, if you were funny, bitch, somebody would be laughing. Somebody else would be telling you that, right? You're not fucking funny. And it's okay. Not everybody is. I didn't realize that because I've been surrounded by hilarious people my whole life. Praise God. My entire family. Um, this is why, you know, I like, I want to start talking about my Jewish heritage because Jews are the ultimate comedians, in my opinion. And well, not the ultimate, okay? I'm not going to try to say black people aren't the ultimate comedians either, but Jewish people, the culture of Judaism is very much based in humor and taking your pain and complaining about it and then laughing about it, right? And if you want to debate that with me, please like email me. I don't, I don't care. I don't need to prove that. I mean, look at all the, the comics that are Jewish. Um, I can name 17. No, I'm kidding. Judy Gold, Jessica Kirsten, Chelsea Handler, Alana Glazer, Ab, you know, just, I can think of 20,000 Jewish comedians, obviously. And I think Robert Pupkin was maybe Jewish. I don't know if Pupkin is a Jewish last name, but you know, De Niro's Italian, so he can be Jewish or Italian on screen and we'll believe it. All I'm saying, oh, and Sa Sandra, oh, I don't know how to, is it Bernard, Bernard, Bernard? I don't know how to say her last name, even though it's very similar to mine. I'm sorry, girl, but she was in that movie too. And that was incredible. That was, I think her first role in a big film and her character plays alongside De Niro and she is incredible and she's Jewish and she was like one of the pioneers of women in comedy and she's gay. What a bad bitch. I love, love her. And if you, anyway, if you don't know who she, you, you need, you need to watch a movie for fuck's sake. So all I'm saying is comedy is my coping skill. All of the shit I do online is for me. I don't sit there and make it. I mean, obviously I make my shit for two people. You know who you are, baby. But um, 
the art I create is is so I don't lose my shit. It's so I don't kill myself or somebody else. It's so I can express myself because that's the only coping mechanism that has proven to be successful for me my whole life. You know, I can't talk about my feelings with my parents because through their actions, they have shown me that they don't care. And I don't have any friends. I really haven't had, I really have never, oh my God, when I think about it, it's so pathetic. I've never had like a successful friendship aside from my marriage. So And my husband is the only person I've ever been able to be myself with 100%. Truly, truly. He is the only person who I've ever felt comfortable and I've ever trusted enough to completely be who I am and be honest and be authentic with him. So I don't have like a group of friends that I'm doing shit for or trying to get approval from or worrying about or, you know, And whenever I lost my husband, when we split up a couple years ago at the beginning, when I started this show, we weren't, uh, we weren't together and I talk about it then, but I lost the only person I had. I lost the only emotional support I had. And then I had to come home to people who hated me and abused me. My parents. Yay. And I couldn't, and you know, my family's not the kind of family who sits there and says, how are you feeling? (laughs) Ha ha. Wouldn't that be hilarious if somebody ever in my family ever asked me how I felt? No, they don't fucking care. And I think a lot of people feel closer to me than they are. And I don't feel, I don't feel closeness with many people. And I have people I love and people I do connect with and people who I do consider friends. But I don't, I'm an introvert. I hate everybody. I have more fun on my own. If I had to choose to spend the day alone or with people, I would spend the day alone because I get to do cool shit like this. Making art, being creative is my favorite thing to do. It's become my favorite thing to do. It's become something that I do for fun. So I don't care if I'm home alone all day. It's like, I'm home alone all day. I'm going to fucking create some shit. Hell yeah, I'm going to listen to music. Nobody's getting in my way. That's why I didn't mind not being in a relationship because I had all this time to just do whatever the fuck I wanted. And I'm really happy now, by the way. I'm really happy that I have that support. I'm happy to have my best friend back in my life. I wouldn't be doing this with anybody else. But for me, what's more important than a romantic connection is to be inspired by someone, to have someone I can be creative with. That's why I really love having people around me who are interested in the same shit. I love being friends with like artistic people I had a friend uh, who we're not friends anymore and I don't, I don't speak to them, but they were one of the, we were really close for a long time, really close. We had similar experiences. They were one of the people who were there for me during my manic episode when nobody else was. And unfortunately I had to end the friendship, but I just missed that person severely because they were someone who I could go up to and be like, Hey man, I have this idea for an album. Because for a time, I wanted to be a rapper, which I know, cringy, but it's okay. Because I love hip-hop. I'm a huge hip-hop fan. And with this friend, they were a friend who I could share my creative ideas with. And I hadn't had that before. Because, you know, in high school, I was surrounded by a lot of, you know, high school is bullshit. You have a lot of shallow, fake people around you who are stupid. 
And I didn't really have anybody who I could connect with creatively and be like, oh my God, I have this idea for a TV show. You have to tell me what you think. Help me develop the characters. You know, I've always been into that. That's kind of like, I want to write TV shows. I want to write movies. I want to make movies. I want to make art. I want to sing. I want to dance. I want to perform. That's what I've always, my whole life been into. And unfortunately, because I grew up in the Adventist church and they don't believe in performances or art or dance or music or anything, I didn't have the opportunity to like make those friendships until I got to college. So I made friends with a couple people who I thought were fucking amazing, who were about the creative stuff, who were doing art, who were making sketches, who were, you know, in film school, who were really like making music, making beats on their computer type shit. And those are the kind of people I want to be around. Those are the kind of friends I want to be around because they inspire me. They motivate me to do better. And if I say, hey, man, I wrote this lyric. What do you think? They're not going to laugh at me, right? I feel comfortable enough to share my creative ideas with them. Because when you're kind of incubating your 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 creativity and your art and when you're kind of working on it, it's a very vulnerable, vulnerable process because it's very raw and like emotional and real. So if you don't have anybody who you can talk to about it or who understands that because a lot of people don't I didn't I didn't know that I, I didn't know not everybody is like super creative I didn't know that <laughs> I didn't know but I mean now I fucking do but you know not everybody thinks that way not everybody is writing shows in their head not everybody goes for a drive in the car and like writes an entire movie based off of a Louis Prima song that they are listening to which is what I do so and anyway I just really want to surround myself with people who are on that shit because that's where I want to go. And so to me, more important than a fucking romantic connection is like a creative connection. I'd rather connect with somebody intellectually than I would romantically. Romance is not, it's not that, I'm not super, I don't care, you know, and I'm not, of course I love my husband, like that's not really it, but the reason I'm with him is because he is my biggest inspiration. He is my muse. I talk about him being my muse all the time on Instagram and I'm not lying. He's the biggest inspiration behind all of the stuff I do. And I'm not giving him credit for it because if we weren't together, I would still do it. But the reason I stick around and the reason I'm willing to be in a relationship with him is because he is on the same level as me intellectually and he's very gifted and very creative himself and he is interested in those things you know if we if we watch a show together and I say oh my god this is incredible joke writing like oh my god do you see that like the writing is so fucking good look at this writing 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 he's gonna understand what I mean he's gonna be like oh my god yeah that's so good look at the character development we can nerd out over that shit and most of the people I knew in my life that I was you know friends with they don't think like that. And I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I want everybody to, like, everybody be themselves. But I want to be around people who are motivating me to continue creating art, who are inspiring me to create art, who are, when I tell them I want to be a rapper, they're not like, oh, that's lame. They're like, oh my God, you should watch this old Nicki Minaj video. And, you know what I'm saying? Like, people who actually believe that that shit is possible. Because I think a lot of people are really more worried about being comfortable than they are being, you know, I don't even know. They don't want to take risks, you know. That's the difference between, like, an artist and, like, a regular person. Regular people want comfort. They want to go to a job and have security. They don't care. It doesn't need to be fulfilling all the time. They don't need to be having fun every day. 
They just want that money so they can buy their stuff. And that's fine. I'm not, there's nothing wrong with that. We need consumers. We need creators and we need consumers, right? But I've always been a creator. I've always written my whole life. I've always told jokes my whole life. And the reason I talk about this is because I grew up, when, when you grow up with a Jewish heritage, okay, you're going to be listening to Abbott and Costello tapes in the car when you're five years old. Just, and maybe I'm wrong, but like I grew up listening to who's on first. I mean, I would play that shit on repeat and just fucking cry laughing. And if you don't know about who's on first, do a YouTube search. But like my family would play comedy for us in the car while we were on trips my brother had Dane Cook, a Dane Cook album. This is, I'm showing my age. My brother had a Dane Cook album on his iPod Nano. And I listened to that shit at 10 years old, eight years old. And I remember hearing, I remember my favorite Dane Cook joke was, you know, he was like, my favorite word is the F word. It's got the F, the uh, and the K. And I just remember hearing that as a kid and being like, oh my God, I fuck with that. You know, and it was, it's Dane Cook. But he was a moment when I was a child. So I've always been, and my, not to mention my grandfather's Jewish, and he was the funniest, funniest, and Jewish people are naturally funny. Some people are naturally funny. Some people culturally. Black people, naturally funny. Jewish people, naturally funny. Italian people, naturally funny. Puerto Ricans, Dominicans. A lot of these ethnicity, the ethnic groups are very hilarious just with it. And it's definitely a cultural thing which is amazing. Everybody can be funny. Everybody, a lot of, every culture has their own like hilarious, funny parts, right? Southern people can be really funny. Literally, you can be from anywhere. However, in my opinion, comedy is an East Coast thing. And I am, I am an East Coast bitch for life. I fuck with the East Coast. That's the truth. Most of the comedians I like are from New York, Philadelphia, Maryland, DC, uh, that's it. Jersey, obviously. <laughs> but what I'm saying is I've grown up around that my whole life. That's all I've wanted my whole life is to make people laugh. And when you have a funny family and my family are very, they're witty, they'll roast you. They're honest. They're brutally honest. They're like me. So when you grow up around that, you learn to be quick on your feet. Not to mention, I have two older brothers who are Aquariuses and I've been making them laugh my whole fucking life. And one thing that's remained the same with my brothers is they think I'm funny regardless. So I just, and I'm not saying that to, I mean, I'm just saying that to give an example that like, I've been making people laugh my whole life. I don't need to sit here and, you know, act like I'm not hilarious. And I'm trying to explain that to people who maybe don't, to people who do understand. This show is for people who do understand. And when you grow up ugly, which I looked like a, mostly like a Holocaust victim and well, Holocaust survivor, you know, until I got really fat, but you know, people have always commented on my looks like, oh, you got a big nose. You look like Anne Frank, you know, you would be in a concentration camp if it were 1942. You know, people have been anti-Semitic to me. And then I, I went to high school and then it was like, oh, I, people never look at me and think I'm white. So, and I'm not saying that in any kind of way, but it's like when people make fun of you for your ethnic features, sometimes you can start to feel bad about yourself. But if you have a sense of humor with it, if you just think, man, 
I'm a fucking kid and I'm ugly. You know, you lean into the character. It can really work out. And I've been doing that my whole life. I've never given a fuck about what anybody thinks because my priority is not to be comfortable. It is to have fun. My priority is to shake things up. My priority is to make people laugh and gasp and react. So I'm never sitting there on my phone putting my Instagram story up thinking like, oh my God, I really hope these, I really hope they like it. Oh my God, I, girl, I don't fucking care. I'm doing it for me. It's all for me. So can you know, nobody, if you ask my fucking husband, you know what I do all day? I sit and watch my own story because I love it because I'm creating what I want. So anyway, with maladaptive daydreaming, you can use it as a manifestation tool. So all I say with maladaptive daydreaming is use it to your advantage. If you're going to maladaptively daydream, believe that the daydreams will come true. Ooh. Once I started doing that, my life drastically improved. I've daydreamed about this podcast. I've daydreamed about it being successful. Now it is. I've wanted to have a production company since I was 11 years old. Guess what? I have a fucking production company now. You know, it's just a matter of literally believing in yourself and believing in your dreams. And I know that sounds basic, but I don't appreciate the concept of maladaptive daydreaming because I think daydreaming is extremely important and vital if you want to improve your life, if you want to improve the world. Didn't Einstein say imagination is everything? Like imagination is everything. How the hell do you think we got here? Because some ugly, crusty white dude named Thomas Jefferson thought, oh, I want all the, oh, he, he created this whole, I mean, it's obviously not his fault, but like what idiot created this shit? We need to create something else. That's what I want to do. That's the world we live in now is not the world I've been building in my mind. And I think being on the internet and seeing all of these fucking women, dude, all of these females, these women, and if you feel like a girl, then you're real like a girl, baby. I mean, whoever the hell you are, the gays, the guys, the queers, all of these creative, beautiful people who have been marginalized that are now on the internet being themselves and expressing themselves, this is what I'm living for. So I don't want you guys to worry. Whenever they create these laws, whether it be banning women's health care, whether it be, you know, banning drag shows, whatever the hell is going on, I want you guys to think about what kind of world you want to have and think about, you know, what values you have in your soul that you want to express and what kind of world you want to live in. And I want you to know that we are not going to fall for that bullshit ever again. The matriarchy is here, people. And if you want to see more of that, please follow my Instagram, Amorphous Blob of Goo. You can find me on TikTok, Amorphous Blob of Goo. You can find me on Manic State of Mind, Um, this podcast is available everywhere. I do have an Instagram. If you go check that out, you'll see I do post mental health content. I post shit about my life. On Amorphous Blob of Goo, I post a lot more of a variety of things. It's definitely me, 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 me on that page. I have a lot of original digital art that is really fun. Not to mention all of the dragging of the Kardashians. 
And I'm a big Bravo fan, so I gotta, you know, support my girl, Ariana. And of course, I've got several reels created in honor of Queen Ariana. And I, that's what I do. So if you guys like this show, if you like me, please subscribe, leave it a rating. I don't really fucking care what the hell you do, because I've built this bitch on my own. And I haven't had to beg other people to share my shit. Mm, I don't sit there and beg people to share. And that's why they don't share. And I'm not going to sit there and beg. I don't need to. I have, <laughs> I, I, engage, I, have, I have 139 followers, but I reach almost 3,000 accounts. So if you want me to post you, uh, maybe you should post me. I hope you guys are having a great week. Thank you so much for listening. This is Sky Menhart Miller signing off. Join me next week to talk about the Kardashians and how capitalism is ruining your life. Goodbye.